Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Zach. Thanks for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at ZachForster underscore AI, uh, talking mostly about Liverpool and the rest of the Premier League. You can also find my previews on the EPLindex.com site alongside some of my LFC musings at AnfieldIndex.com. Hello, I'm Jake, a Newcastle fan. You can uh, look at my stuff on EPL Index also and various other sites, which you can get more information on on my Twitter, which is at Jake Jackman with two N's. Hi, I'm Scott. I run the swanseyway.co.uk. Uh, it's an independent site about the swans. Check that out. Or you can follow me on Twitter at the swanseyway. Great. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Zach, what's the news out of Liverpool? Um, this week's pretty much been about the build-up to Gerard's final Anfield match. Um, I think everyone's sort of can't, well looking forward to it, but also dreading it. Uh, emotions are running quite high. Um, I think Gerard said in his press conference earlier today that everywhere he goes, people just start crying, <laughs> which is uh, quite mad. But yeah, it's kind of all been about that. Um, the feeling is really setting in now that we're we're about to lose like one of the best players in our history. Uh, like even though it's not been a great season for him personally, um, he's obviously going to be missed. Um, and like, it's just setting in now that one of the greatest players in the history of the Premier League is is is, is leaving like in a week. It's really, it feels really strange. Um, then you on top of that, you've obviously got the build to the Palace game and the generic transfer rumours, which are already very boring. <laughs> Um, we've been linked to players like Aubameyang and Tep from Stade Rene, Ings, Fonta, Benteke. Um, it's just a standard transfer rumour. Bull. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It's pretty much just the um, the Gerard goodbye distracting us from the Palace game. Rightly so. All right. And Jake, what's the news out of Newcastle? Well, it's, we're just sort of, we're still here. We just get, it's been quite quiet in Newcastle this week after last week with all the, uh, open letters and discussions of Steve McLaren coming in, which I'm happy he's probably not going to be managing next season, but he would have, he would have been good for the last two games, but, you know, small sacrifices. Um, yeah, it's transfer, transfer talks up here. Um, looks like we're going to spend 40 to 50 million pounds, if you believe the press up here, whether how much is going to be made from sales of Sissoko and Teote is another matter, but it looks like we're going to spend if we do survive this uh this season and it uh news on Twitter before I came on, I think uh the partisan Belgrade chairman came out and said, or the owner said that Mitrovic is or is definitely gonna sign for Newcastle, which I think it's odd he's saying it considering he doesn't play for them anymore. But <laughs> you know, he would be quite a good signing. He's been talked 
about a lot in the foreign press that there has been a deal agreed if on i'd imagine it would be on the condition we stay up and i mean that would be a really good move even if it is 15 million pounds we have to spend because if you look at the strikers we've missed out on before in the previous summers we've lacazette gomez bonnie um Obama Yang, these are all strikers that Newcastle could have signed if they were willing to pay the money. They were in talks before any of them moved clubs, or you know, we could have got Lacazette last summer for ten million, about twelve million pounds, but Ashley didn't want to go over ten million. Could have got Obama Yang before that, and Bonnie. He's, he's just turned down all these strikers because he hasn't paid the money, and I think he's seen now that strikers you pay the money for them because they score goals. So I think he's going to finally pay the money for a, a big Nate. Well not a big name striker, but somebody who could potentially be a big name. Other players that could, that have been heavily linked are um, Wijnaldum from PSV, who yeah. is, it was lesser known because obviously Depay has taken the headlines there this season, but he's a very good player. And if we had to, even I think Newcastle would be willing to pay 15 million plus for him because they've monitored him for a long time because they see him as a sort of a player who could go on and, be sold on for a massive profit. So he's another one to keep on. That would be more of a, a, a thing you'd look at if you were getting rid of Sissoko, though, right? Because there's there's some similarities there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, th- I think he'd be. I think he could play with Sissoko. I don't think Sissoko is going to leave this summer. And if he does, he's not going to get a move that he wants. He's just. I don't think he's played that well this season. He, he looked alright in the, some of the big games, but overall, he hasn't been that good. I don't think. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to go because the club want too much for him, and there's no club that will pay the money for Sissoko because he's just not good enough. But yeah, apart from that, um, manager talk, the talk up here is that Remy Gard is looking like the most likely to take the job if John Carver doesn't get it, which definitely should not happen because they're going to stick to the shortlist they had in January and Remy Gard was on there. Although they did want Steve McLaren, I think Remy Gard would probably be a better fit for the club. Uh, other names are like Paco Gemez, who is in Spain coaching, and Christophe Gautier at Saint Etienne, they're just quite good managers, really, and I think they'd be a lot better fit than Pardew was. And I think people, all the media who say who would you want to go and coach in Newcastle, co- the Newcastle job is a very good job for a manager. You don't, you can come here with relatively low expectations. If with an all right squad, Pardew had a very good squad for the majority of his time here. He did average at Newcastle. He didn't do badly. I'm get, I'm taking that back now because I've seen what could be a lot worse. But he didn't do good either. And he's gone on to another job in the Premier League. So it's a very it's, I think managing Newcastle is quite low risk because you're not gonna you're gonna get time. You're gonna get the money you need to be a mid table club. And I think a lot of people want the job going into this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure I'll talk more about the individual game later. But it's just looking like the club are just going to survive the season and just, it's going to be a huge summer for the club. They're going to get a new coaching staff in, get new players in. And I think they've finally seen the error of their ways and the way they run the club. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but I think it's going to be a lot better if we stay in the Premier League. Yeah, you kind of uh, hinted at it a couple of times there. How confident are you that, that you'll be fine? Because I, I was stunned at, at how precipitous it's been. Obviously, I knew the results, but you're right there in the in the thick of the relegation fight. Yeah, I think I think the last few times I've come on, I've said we're not safe, but it would take something incredible for us to go down. <laughs> and you and have. something incredible <laughs> has happened. I mean, with no team, I doubt a team in the Premier League history has gone from February to May without getting a point. That is just an incredible amount of time without getting a point. I think I think we're going to be okay. I thought we we're going to be okay for the majority because our final few games are, are quite nice, really. I think, and I think there's a lot of teams in the league that are not that great. I think Leicester and Sunderland have done really well recently. 
Aston Villa as well. Hull looked like they were doing okay until last weekend when they really just, that was the biggest, you know, bottle job in the Premier League this, this season. Losing that game to Burnley is a terrible result for Hull. Hmm. I mean, if they would have won that, we'd be in the relegation zone right now and I'd be a lot less positive. But I think we've got QPR and West Ham. They're two games against teams who yeah. are playing for nothing. And Leicester and I Sunderland think... play each other. So one of them exactly. Gonna, yeah. They're gonna, and I think Hull have got Tottenham away and Manchester United. We're gonna lose to them, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you know how bad Hull are. I, I've seen the game since uh, at the weekend. They were so bad. I think, to, I think Tottenham. I, if they get, they could get someone at Tottenham, but I think we're gonna beat QPR. I think we're gonna be okay. I mean, it's, it's not been comfortable at all, like it should have been. But I think we're gonna be just about okay. Sadly, for the neutrals who want Newcastle to go down, I don't think it's gonna happen. Although if it did, I'd, I wouldn't be as annoyed as I wouldn't be as devastated as I was the last time we went down because um, we deserve to go down. If anything, <laughs> I think it shows how bad the Premier League is that Sunderland and Newcastle are not in that bottom three right now. Yeah. yeah. All right, and Scott, we talked a little bit earlier about how triumphant your victory uh, against Arsenal was. What else is coming out of Swansea? Um. <clears throat> yeah. Well. Obviously, we beat Arsenal. That was epic. Um, smash and grab. Arsene Wenger very uh, well. He showed a lot of humility in defeat. I thought, um, as per usual, <laughs> so you can do one. Um, <clears throat> moving on from that, uh, we got Man City this weekend. Kind of looking forward to that. Um, the under twenty ones won there. It's weird the way the the development leagues work. It's done on degrade your cat your your youth academies, and then teams are put into to groupings based on. The, the facilities based on what facilities you have. So we're in professional development League Two South. Uh, we were top of that for most of the season. Uh, dropped off to second, I think, right at the end. Went into playoffs. And then the two teams from the South, two teams from the North, they play each other uh, uh, in a playoff system. And then, yeah, we beat Nottingham Forest away. Uh, got through to the final Huddersfield beat Crystal Palace. Uh, we played at the Liberty last night. I went down to it, and it was really, really good. It was about 2,000 people turned up for it. Nice sunny evening. Uh, Swans won 3-2. Nice to see the kids get the trophy. And and there are a couple of kids in the youth system looking really tidy, like Raheem Hanley. I think we got him from Blackburn. Uh, left back. And we need a left back at the moment. He's been looking really good. And I think perhaps he, he, he acknowledges and he knows that there's a gap in the first team and if he can kick on. And I think that's something that as a youth player, I think that's something kids should be looking to be doing, looking at the first team. If you're on the fringes of it, if you're in the under 21 squad, uh, if you're outside a transfer window and, and the club are short a player in that position, try and step up to the mark. And if you're good enough, you're old enough, as the saying goes, a bit of a cliche, but um, interestingly, just, uh, just while I remember Jake, I checked and Derby in that season that they only got one win. Uh, they got three points between February and the end of the season. So uh, I think there probably hasn't been any Premier League team that's gone for the uh, that's gone in that entire length of time without getting a point. For that does not surprise me. Yeah, <laughs> so like, I, can't, I can't see there being any other teams that have gone on a worse run than that, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's well, well what else is happening with the Swans? Um, yeah, transfer rumours like was being mentioned earlier. Keys started being linked to Liverpool. Uh, Gerrard's off. Um, I can't really see it to be honest. I think. Well, I, well, I was going to say like Liverpool fans probably and rightly probably want a bigger name than that. Key has has been excellent this season, um, and I was going to say I can't see him coming in, but it's Brendan Rodgers. So like he loves signing all sort of the rumours that he loves signing people from the Swans. Hasn't done it in a little while, but uh, he could come back in. Um, 
But yeah, just kind of, <clears throat> I'm just kind of seeing out the season now, though, to be honest. Again, at this point, it's, you don't really want it to end because <laughs> we're just enjoying every game now. There's no pressure. We know we're not going to get relegated. Haven't, we've known that all season, really. Haven't been outside of the top half all season. Looks like we're going to finish eighth, pretty much guaranteed now. Um, yeah, and if results go away, we could finish even higher. So, uh, so yeah, potential European qualification. If that happens, so be it. We'll deal with it. If it happens, I think Monk's been sort of cagey when talking about it. But but uh, yeah, I think most of the fans of Monk himself, they, they they would rather be in Europe and then have to do... It's a problem that you want to have, really, isn't it? So uh, yeah, so you never know if we get three points against Man City. We uh, <laughs> might still be talking about Europe next week. Yeah, um, for Tottenham, uh, not much news. Um, we have a new kit coming out tomorrow, uh, which will be interesting to see. Uh, just just for, you know, rumors and stuff, who all is involved in all of that stuff. Uh, Jake and I were tweeting earlier about um, the fact that they used Lacazette in, in Leon's uh, marketing stuff, and I was like, well, that might not work out, although you did raise an excellent point about how hard it would be to get him out of that club. Um, and so, yeah, are we going to see Lloris and Vertonghen in new stuff and then see them leave in the summer? That would be awkward. We've already done it with Bale. We already did it with Vondervaart. We had Scott Parker, who was our captain at the time, like holding out and kissing the badge, and then he was gone by the first time we used that kit. <laughs> so <laughs> we don't have a great track record with this. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what goes on with that. Kind of speaking of rumors, that tends to be mostly what we're dealing with right now. We keep hearing positive things about Lloris staying, but um, obviously that can turn around very quickly. But uh, now more ramp up in interest in Vertonghen uh, could see that happen. Um, I I just wouldn't be devastated. He his best season was the first season he was here, uh, as is often the case with these Belgian defenders that come to the Premier League. would like to keep him, but he's kind of slouched into a leadership role that really doesn't suit him or his personality and stuff. And if we're getting rid of Dembele, he's going to have less of a reason to want to stay because uh, Dembele and him are our best friends. So if we're shipping Dembele out, that might be another reason that he might not want to stay. And I just don't think I'd be that mad about it. Would Alderweireld still be interested in coming if we sold Vertonghen? I'm not sure, but would like to bring him in. The Vimmer thing already looks like it's done. Um, new ramping up rumors of Adebayor to Aston Villa, which, duh, and also, yeah. Um, we'll obviously have no problem with it. We'd probably have to subsidize, uh, some of his wage, rumor being about 25%, which would be insane if Villa are paying 75000 to Adebayor. Uh, would be very surprised if, if that's the financial case, but I, I think that that will go through, especially with Sherwood saying he wouldn't keep Benteke from leaving. He kind of seems like a natural replacement for Benteke there. Um, one of my uh, kind of like favorite rumors I've been hearing lately is Kabul to Watford. And I'm just like, yeah, that'd, that'd be nice. Like a, a lot of people have been hating on him and, you know, he used his leadership position for evil this year, uh, which got him dropped. But him being able to join Julio Gomez at Watford, go down, be like the leader for, for a side back in the Premier League, it, it, it just seems like a pretty amicable way to deal with what became a very kind of untenable situation. Um, but I think that would be good and have no ill will going that way. Um, Pritchard and Della Ali uh, won't be immediately loaned out as many people thought they would be, uh, especially with MK Dons being promoted uh, to the championship. We thought maybe he would just stay with them for another year, but apparently we're going to keep them through uh, the summer training camp and kind of see 
uh, how that all shakes out. Um, we could really use Pritchard as both a uh, cover for the attacking midfield position behind Erickson and on the wings. Um, so that'll be interesting. And uh, Kyrgyz has pretty much been rumored to everyone. And yeah, please, anywhere else. Because I, I, I defended him longer than most. And uh, his performance this weekend was enough for me to just question why I was defending him in the first place. So not really too bothered by that. Yeah, I've got a question. Well, yeah. I guess it applies for everybody else on this podcast apart from me. But why does everyone hate the Europa League? I, I can understand it. <laughs> I, you know, I can understand it to an extent, but there is a Champions League spot on off and Okay, out, and okay, I'll that's... tell you. I agree with you for other clubs, but we've done it five times in a row, right? Like, and and everybody's like, yeah, you can get a Champions League spot, but you know what we haven't done? Made it to a semifinal in the last five years. So it's it's kind of like the lottery. Right, where they're like, you could win millions, but you're also losing millions by how much everyone is spending on tickets. So uh, it's difficult. You, Erickson came out and said that he he likes the Europa League, and, and it's one of the reasons why he came is because he has to play in Europe in some capacity. Uh, but for me, until they stop letting the Champions League rejects fall down so that they have more TV revenue... Uh, I won't respect it as a competition, and they'll never stop doing that, because why would they take away, like, a third of their revenue? It's, it's such a highly respected competition in Europe, though. I think that people should respect it a lot more. Well, we had the one manager that cared in AVB, and it, it didn't work out. Um, I, I... The, the problem is the, the size of the squad you need for it, because yeah. for a club like, like Newcastle, you've got 50,000 fans coming every week. So, like, the potential, if you get into Europe, like the money you're making just on match day stuff when you look at the stats. Uh, Newcastle are up there with like Arsenal and all the big teams in terms of match day revenue. So I think Newcastle probably an exception to the rule. But for a lot of teams against the Europa League, we've only got 20,000 fans coming every uh, every week. And we're still investing off the field to get up to Premier League spec, behind the scenes, all this kind of stuff. If we're forced into a position where, like Gary Mugg said, we will need a bigger squad, like our transfer plans would have to change if we got into the Europa League because you've got to sign more players. So if you're not in the Europa League next year, then where does that leave you? Like you've got extra players that you're not going to be able to get everybody on one-year contracts just on the proviso that they'll leave if, uh, if, if you're not in the Europa League next year. So it's, it's a weird one. It's set up for the big teams, really. You know, like the big teams have, have got the financial muscle to have two squads and to compete on two fronts. But for the Swans, it makes a lot more sense just to worry about the Premier League and, and keep getting 100, whatever stupid money it is every year now, you know? And, and anything yeah. which, which potentially jeopardizes that um, is it, just a completely unnecessary risk, I think. is If you're looking at it from a business point of view, I think it would be viewed, if you've got a guaranteed income every... Well, I say guaranteed, but like the Swans position, we've been, with, with the exception of last season, pretty solidly mid-table now for four seasons. Mm. Um, going into a fifth season, looking better than ever before in the Premier League. Like, it on a business level, would you make any decision that would potentially jeopardize that guaranteed revenue stream? Yeah. Um, also it, on the financial aspect, we've mentioned this on previous podcasts when we talked about Europa League. If you won the entire Europa League, you would still make less than you get for just getting out of the group stage in the Champions League. Yeah, I know the financial situation is there, but for yeah. clubs in the Premier League, I think the top top four is going to be concreted for like the next... 10 years, I think. I can't see Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, or Man United dropping out of it. Oh, I can see Man City dropping out very easily. 
I, I can't see it. I think they're going to spend a lot of money this summer and get a quite a good coach in. I think mm. Man United are going to build. I can't see Arsenal ever dropping out of it. And Chelsea, they're just in there. I think I mean, that teams, that, teams need to look at the Europa League as a way to get in. I mean, this That's season, a very positive way of looking at it. Arsenal are about to lose Wenger. Van Hall is a short-term option. I mean, there's going to be change. Yeah, but there's change. But this season was... This season and last season were both opportunities to get in the top four. Liverpool did it last season. This season, nobody's done it. And I can't... I just think teams like Everton, Swansea, Southampton, Tottenham, uh, Liverpool, Newcastle, to a lesser extent, if we ever got back up there, should be seeing the Europa League as the way to get into the Champions League, getting the extra revenue, and then building on top of that. Because, I mean, we got in the Europa League a few seasons ago. We got to the quarterfinals, and we were very unlucky not to get through that. I mean, we didn't have a great squad, and we we did all right in it. I, and we stayed in the Premier League as well. I think, I think especially Tottenham, Liverpool, they should be looking at a competition. And we're just tired it. of it. <laughs> what, what's what's your thoughts, Zach? Um, I'm very in the middle when it comes to the Europa League. One of my biggest gripes with the competition is that they changed the name. I think as soon as they changed it to the Europa League instead of the UEFA Cup, I think mm. it lost a lot of sparkle and. Um, some of its prestige and like it sort of lost the um, ties to its history, which is quite grand. It, it is a it was a big tournament. Um, if well, I'm assuming Liverpool aren't going to explode and not finish the Europa League spot, so I'm assuming we will be in the next season. I would like to see us take it seriously once we get out of the group stage. What I always say when I mean when I'm supporting Liverpool in the Europa League is I'd like to see a team that's a blend of the kids, yeah, and the first team in the group stage. Obviously, you might come up against some um, good teams in, in the group stage, but you got—that's the risk you got to take. I th- last time we were in it, um, in Brendan Rodgers' first season, um, we we did play sort of some kids and some reserves like that was before Henderson Shel- came. Shelby played a lot, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like Shel- Shelby, that was basically his breakthrough season. Um, he scored a few in the group stage. I think he scored two away it's against Grant's young up, boys. Oh, that's right, yeah, young boys. Yeah, yeah, young yeah, yeah. boys. Yeah. And uh, Henderson used that competition as a way to sort of force his way into Brendan Rodgers' thoughts. So it is quite useful. And especially some of the kids we are coming through, such as um, Brannigan and Ryan Kent and Jordan Ivan, obviously Sterling, if he's still here. I think it'd be a good place for them to uh, cut the teeth, as it would. But once you get out of the group stage, especially when you get to the quarterfinals, it does become a, quite an exciting competition. Yeah. So that's, I'd like to get through from the group stage. That's an excellent point you make. Um, because we've been in it so long, we've seen Tottenham make a lot of different choices with how we approached it. Like when Harry Redknapp did it, it was a straight kids team. He was like, if we make it through the group, then we'll play real players, and if not, whatever. And then that was the year we finished fourth but missed out because Bayern lost in Germany. Never mind, I'm not going to go into all of that again. But the point about kids is interesting, especially if you get a blend, because that's how Harry Kane forced himself into the Premier League side. He just wouldn't stop scoring in Europa League, and Soldado and Adebayor refused to start scoring in the Premier League. And we're like, huh. What if we switched those? And then Soldado scored some in the Europa League and Harry Kane scored 20 in the Premier League. So it does give players an interesting chance like that, much like he was kind of listing off youngsters. It would be great for us if we do hold on to Della Ali and Alex Pritchard and let them play in that, bring in Josh Onoma and Velkovic and throw those guys in there. Hopefully Mason, because hopefully we'll have a better midfielder by then. Um, that would be very interesting to me, and and I would be for that. But the, the concern is... Also what Scott said, which is Tottenham right now have 22 players. We have two full starting 11s. And the problem is half of them have been banned from the club by Pochettino. Um, And whether or not we can continue to bounce that, it doesn't seem like Pochettino knows how to handle a big squad. We haven't seen him do it yet. Um, He seems to like know who his 11 are and then just kind of roll with it, which is what Harry Redknapp did. 
um, to great effect in the first three quarters of a season and then to really poor effect at the end when everybody was tired, which, in case anybody has looked at a table recently, is exactly what we've done. Um, so I think that that does raise its own challenges. You've seen all the stats about how many points people drop right after Europa League stuff. But anyway, appreciate the question, but I'm going to finish by making the rounds. <laughs> uh, Pasha's press conference today um, came out and said, you know, I've, I've talked before about how strategically he speaks English uh, when it's easy to answer and not when it's not. And he came out with one of the best cliches I've ever heard somebody use and then later speak Latin. Uh, where he's just like, oh, we need to balance our attack and defense. You're like, oh, cool, great advice. You mentioned that we're in sixth because of how well we attack, but also how poor we defend. You're like, wow, this is really insightful. Thanks, Posh. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we, we are in the relegation battle in terms of goals conceded, which is nuts. Um, we've talked before about how Tottenham are the only team with three people to score 10 plus, but we have, our fourth scores are all tied on two goals. It's 10, 10, 20, and all twos. Eric Dyer has two goals, and they were the first two goals of the season, and then nothing since. Um, so definitely need to fix that. Uh, Pochettino readdressed how ridiculous the Bale rumors are, but Madrid fans keep abusing Bale, and I keep being concerned that that means he might be off to somewhere in the Premier League, and I very much hope that doesn't happen. Uh, and lastly, and this is going to kind of lead us into the topic, um, he was asked if he was going to play Brad Friedel, who just announced his retirement today, over Hugo Lloris this weekend, uh, as it will be our last home fixture of the season. And he said that we need to be pragmatic about our keeper selection, which is oddly reminiscent of how Lloris first got his start over Brad Friedel to begin with. I mean... We brought in Brad Friedel right after Julio Gomez just had a horrendous second half. Um, he was always hot and cold, but he hit cold and then just kept being cold. And I'm, I'm glad he's doing well for Watford, and, and hopefully he'll do well next year. But it was kind of this, this it, it was exactly what we needed. It was the keeper version of what United failed to do with managers, where we had a really kind of eccentric keeper, then we brought in a really stable one, and then continued onwards with Hugo Lloris, who's absolutely incredible. I guess that is kind of what they did. If, if you consider Moy's time, they're not as much a failure in hindsight as we thought it was at the time. Um, but it, it was huge. We, we bought Lloris for whatever it was, like $8 million. Um, and, and he sat on the benches for six weeks as Friedel kept collecting his starts. He ended up with 310 consecutive starts before, you know, AVB was just like, listen, <laughs> we have one of the top five keepers in the world here on the bench, and Friedel... Like, I'll do respect, but it's time for you to sit. And ever since then, every every week that he doesn't come out and complain about anything, and he shows up on TV, and he does his appearances and stuff, it, it just kind of engenders more and more love for him. Um, kind of on a, on a personal note, he came over, obviously, with, with the Tottenham trips to the U.S. that he's made several times, and on multiple occasions has bought a full bar of Tottenham fans' beers. Um, which obviously is one of the most endearing things you can do to a group of men. Um, but I, I've always loved him being here. And, and so from there, we're going to launch into the topic of which players at your club are likely to leave or retire this season. Um, not, not like the guys that are leaving amongst Animosity, but, but who are you really going to miss the most? And what's your favorite memory of those players? Well, obviously, from a Liverpool perspective, um, we've got Steven Gerrard leaving. Um, that's pretty much what the build-up for the whole week has been. Um, 
this is last game at Anfield. I think the thing that we're going to miss the most is those Anfield performances, um, such as uh, Inter Milan in the Champions League, um, Chelsea in the Champions League, all those famous nights. Um, just those winners, like dragging us out of the dirt to give us a scrappy two-one. Those, those are the memories I'm going to remember. Not the sort of Gerard that sort of limped home this season. Um, he's still doing it now, even though he is um, sort of limping, if you like. Um, he did it against QPR last week. Um, Indeed, he just he's just always done it. The, the one of the sticks out for me is um, the, one of the first games from the 2008-2009 season when we came close to winning the league. Uh, then. He scored a, a worldy curler from the edge of the box in the 93rd minute or something to win the game 2-1 after we'd been behind from the 70th minute onwards. And it's those kind of memories that I'm really going to miss. I'd, I just don't think that especially Liverpool will ever produce anyone. So it's so perfect to the British narrative of football. Like a real Roy the Rovers does everything... Um, he's just a hero. He's literally, it, it was for most of his career, comic book stuff. It's such a cliche. It, it kind of was annoying, like the cliches that were attached to him. But he, he's, that, he's that guy. And I don't think we'll ever see another one like it. And especially with um, Lampard leaving as well. It's sort of doubly, doubly bad for the Premier League because those two were just like, they just battled to like be, it's like, they were like the Avengers, like they were just battling to be who is the best hero. <laughs> It's just, and they play the same position. Everything. It's that they're the. That's the sort of thing I miss. And we've also um, we might have um, Colatori retiring. We don't. Nobody knows what what the legend is doing. So we we could be getting doubly <laughs> hit. I've no idea what's happening with Big Colo. So yeah, we've got that. Yeah, I I didn't think we'd get anybody old enough to retire. So because we just don't sign him. But so, like, people. Gutierrez is on a free and might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just talk about the players who are going to leave on freeze because they're still going to retire. I think yeah, Gutierrez is probably going to leave. He, he could get his contract renewed. I don't know yet. I think Newcastle is just... I don't think we've renewed a contract since 2012, so it could happen. It could not. I think he would... I would quite like him to stay still, but if he does leave, I mean, that that would be quite, quite a big departure. He's been at the club for a long time. He's played... He's been really consistent, I think. I don't think he's ever been the world beater, but he's always been consistent. And obviously this season, his story's been added to by uh, by his cancer troubles and how he's come back through that. And now he's back starting in the Premier League, which is just an incredible story. I think he's always going to be well-remembered at Newcastle. My favourite mem- Gutierrez memory, probably, probably when we signed him. I think it was a year after we signed him, he went to the World Cup with Maradona. Started every game for Argentina, and then Messi came out and said that Gutierrez is one of the top five players in the Premier League. Hmm. So you know this this Messi chap, he might, might be good at football. But I don't think he's that good at analysing it. But yeah, that I mean that that was quite funny at the time. Other players uh, leaving. Um, Ryan Taylor is probably I, I'd imagine he'll definitely go because he's just not that good anymore. He's been out of injury with injuries for two years, and I think he's come back this season. And he just looks so bad in the middle of the park. He's just not the player he was, which is sad. I think if he he needs to drop down a level or two and just sort of just go down to playing playing league football because I don't think he's good enough for the Premier League anymore. But he's always going to be well remembered for scoring the winner at Sunderland a few seasons back. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B two B. 
And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The last time we beat them, uh, it was a really good free kick. So he's always going to be well remembered. Uh, here, other players leaving. I think Ami- Sammy Amiobi will probably go, although I'd want to keep him. Uh, check to Yote will probably go as well, but you know, who cares about him? He's not that good. He he can leave. He's he'll be remembered as sort of a player who could have been really good, but ended up being awful. But yeah, it's just at the moment I'm not in the I'm not really in the place to be remembering these Newcastle players fondly as how bad they've been. <laughs> so yeah, Gutierrez will always be remembered fondly. Ryan Taylor to a lesser extent. Yeah, yeah. Is he, is he all right? Just like health wise, like what what happened? Who, who too? Ryan Taylor. Ryan Taylor. Yeah, like oh, two he, years he, ago he was massive he and then his... he was hurt the whole time and then he came back and then he got re-hurt. Yeah, he, he did his cruise shit twice, which is quite, which is quite bad. I mean, he came back from the first one and he was just like, he must have been like a week away from making his comeback and he just did it again, which is just, I thought at that point he was going to retire because I just thought, does he have the sort of spirit to fight back from it again? And he did. He's come back playing friendly football. I mean, he started for the last three or four matches, but he just doesn't look that good anymore. His set pieces used to be good, but now he just doesn't pick anyone out from corners. His, he always shoots from free kicks, doesn't get anywhere near his former like free kick status in the Premier League. And he's just, yeah, he's, I think he's just, just needs to drop down a few levels. Cause I think the two, two years out is massive. Any player would suffer from being out for two years. It's hard to come back from. Yeah, the Swans, there's not too many players. Similar kind of thing. We haven't got too many players who are getting on, to be honest. Um, Gerhard Tremel, he's out of contract in the summer. Uh, did an article earlier on my site. Uh, him and Di Cornell, both Di Cornell's quite young, like 22, 23, but Tremel's, I think, maybe 34, 35, maybe even 36. Um, I know goalkeepers can keep going, but he hasn't really had a look in this season. We haven't got really, really far in any of the Cups. Um so he hasn't had a run there. And likewise, Fabianski's form has been really good. So kind of feel for him a little bit. And I, I'd be surprised to see him stay on, to be honest, whether or not he continues playing. Um, that's that's another thing. But yeah, he'll, he'll be remembered fondly because when he has been sort of a regular in the side, or in his most regular spell, he was pretty good. And, and I, I'd argue he was better than Vorm that season, um, the season we won the League Cup. Um, but the season after that, he, he was very, very poor. <laughs> um, and I think that's probably got a lot to do with 
um, why he hasn't played so much this season, being completely honest, and why we've gone with Fabianski almost invariably. Um, so, aside from him, the only other player that's kind of, and I don't even want to contemplate it, but like Leon Britton, 33 in September. Yeah. Oh, and it's really, it like hurts thinking about it. Like, I know Steven Gerrard won trophies and stuff and, and did all that, but like, like literally, and I'm not making this up, uh, when Leon Britton's loan spell from West Ham ended, they, I, I, I think, I think the Swans knew that West Ham would let him join the Swans on a free. Um, and I think at the last home game of the season, we handed buckets around the old North Bank Terrace, and everybody was chucking like fivers in and stuff, just to literally just to pay his wages and, and get him down to the club. Um, yeah, and the rest's history. You know, you won a major trophy with us a couple of years ago. He played in the Premier League for a couple of seasons, and uh, and in his pomp, in his little ticket ticket tack of best, there was people comparing him with with all sorts of football greats. Um, and I think based on some of his form and based on the way he was playing, if you if you've got a team that has a player in that role. I firmly believe he could have done that role anywhere. I think you dump him in any team in that little sitting in front of the back four. Um, I do think he has the class to do that anywhere. But you, you've got to be playing a very specific style of football for that for that to work, you know. So, so perhaps that's why we haven't seen him this season because we haven't played four two three one so much. But, but yeah, like I think I was talking about it on you before. Gary Monk is kind of he has had injuries this season, Leon, but you get the sense that Gary Monk's kind of eased him out of the team because Jack Hawke is now doing the role that Leon Britton would have been doing. And, and being completely honest, I was just thinking now, next season, uh, where's Leon Britton going to get games? And, and, and it's and it's hard to see. So whether he'd want to go somewhere else and keep playing, I don't know. Um, what I would say is that I would bet you everything I own that the Swans want to keep him at the club in a coaching capacity. Um, so whether there's an interim period where he goes somewhere else and then comes back to the club, perhaps. But I know he's relatively settled here, even though he's a, he's a London boy at heart. He, you know, he's been living down here years, but over a decade now, I think. Um, well, well, yeah, I think thirteen years, perhaps. So, yeah. So nobody wants to see Leon go, but I kind of wouldn't be surprised at this point if if it was announced that he was just going to move into a coaching capacity at the club. But perhaps that's me reading too much into his absence this season. Yeah, just just to kind of wrap this up, I, I was remiss in, in failing to mention uh, Eunice Kabul as well, who for all of his sins this year, as, as I mentioned earlier, um, had some huge moments for the club, including his uh, match-winning header in the 3-2 comeback against Arsenal at the Emirates. Uh, and in 2010, he he almost made Team of the Year. I don't know if you guys remember, but he was so good that year. Um, I think it was the last Le- the last uh, Ledley year. I think it was paired with him. He was doing really well, and he was getting called up for all the uh, uh, Euro uh, Championship qualifiers with France. And then he he hurt his knee right before the end of the season. And I remember at the time, uh, I, I've been on record on here before saying, uh, you know. I didn't make it professionally, but but as a person that played sports, you never wish injuries, even on teams you hate. Um, but it was kind of a, a weird moment for me because I was like, you know, maybe this is how he'll stay here. And we, we were like, oh, somebody else will surely come in to buy him. Oh, well, now he's hurt and hopefully he'll stay now, which is kind of a, a distorted way of looking at it, I suppose. But we thought we were going to push on there and it was going to be great. Ledley retired and we thought we were in good stead and he just never really came back from it. And then obviously had enough issues um, that, that he wasn't able to cement his, his status even once he was given club captaincy. Um, 
But, yeah, just another guy that has been at the club for a long time with him likely leaving and Lennon likely leaving. Uh, it's I think it's just Kyle Walker um, that, that was in the Champions League side from 2010, if memory is serving me, which it very well may not be. Um, but that is just absolutely crazy how, how many of those players have already gone in just a five-year span. So, anyway, um, going from reminiscing to looking towards players to bring in, uh, there are a lot of players that are available for free, like a huge list and many accomplished Premier League footballers on there. So of all the players that are available on a free, which do you think would be good additions to your club? Um, I think I agree with you. There's a lot of good free agents knocking around uh, at the like moment. You could make a uh, solid 11 if you needed to. Oh, like, easily. They'd finish like really 12. Well, I think they finished higher than that. <laughs> That's bold. I don't know where you're getting the goals from, other than Ings. But, yeah. Oh, what's, he, what's that um, Shakhtar striker called? Something, Louis something? Mm. He's, pretty, he's pretty good. He's like third top goal scorer in Champions League this season. And he only played in like the group stage in mm. the last 16. Oh, Conor Plianka as well, yeah. Yeah, he's one of the guys I was going to talk about. I'd really Louis Adriano. Right. Yeah, Louis Adriano, yeah. that's him, the Shakhtar guy. He's got a few. Could be good. Yeah, well, yeah, Conor Plianka, as you just said, he's one of the ones I'd love for Liverpool to sign. Uh, when we were linked with him last January... Why are we linked with the exact same players all the time? Can uh, we just discuss just, this for a second? It, it, it's just the laziest of journalism, <laughs> I think. It's because they know we're, we're pretty much on the same level. Like, you know, knocking around Europa League. Yeah. As soon as, like, Liverpool or the rumours to someone, they just immediately think, right, Tottenham, that'll, that's an extra column inch taken off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so annoying. Yeah. And, like, we have this little thing where we just think, oh, God. Spurs, they follow our scouts around Europe. No, they probably don't. They probably just read. It's probably just the journalists reading some of the guys' column and thinking, "Oh, Tottenham could go." Could go as well. <laughs> uh, like, uh, one of my favorite moments of the World Cup was when uh, Divock Origi scored for Belgium. Uh, I was like, "Well, that's us linked to him the next day." And the next day, there were like three articles linking him to Tottenham, and then you signed him a week later. I was like, "This oh, is no. this is tremendous." <laughs> <laughs> Perfect storm. <yeah. laughs> Oh, yeah, please don't sign Conor Blanca, though. I really, really, really want to sign him. Like, when we tried to sign him last January, I was gutted that we didn't get him. You're going like, get Milner especially... instead, you'll be fine. No, no, we, I, don't, <laughs> I, really, I, I really don't want Milner. We've already got one player like that in Henderson, and I think Henderson's better than Milner. Maybe I'm a bit biased. You know but... if they joined him and Joe Allen, they could, like, with their forces combined, be the most boring triumvirate midfield in history. Oh, yeah, hey, leave Joe Allen alone. <laughs> <laughs> I like him, but he's not an exciting guy. <laughs> yeah, I like him too, but I agree. He's not that exciting. <laughs> I don't think even Joe Allen would argue that he's that exciting, to be honest. <laughs> his yeah, parents he, don't pick up his Brendan, calls. He's, he's even Brendan would exciting. say that. <laughs> Brendan thinks he's yeah. better than Messi. <laughs> Brendan's his biggest fan. Oh, I'll tell you what else I'd really like. Fabian Schaaf from uh, FC yeah. Basel. He'd be a great signing. He just hasn't Especially. developed... The, like, two years ago, I would have been so on board with that, but he just hasn't really capitalized on, mm, on that year. Because that was the Chelsea year, right? That that they beat Chelsea, and everyone was like, holy crap, let's keep tabs yeah. on him, and then he just never when really became, did much like, England slayers, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think he was at the right club. He'd be able to develop. And we're, we sort of, like, pride ourselves on stealing gems that maybe aren't quite working out somewhere else, like Coutinho, for example. And then developing him so i'd like to see that if we could do that one thing i don't want one thing i don't want to happen from the free list is danny ings uh, even though he wouldn't be free because of the 
England under 24 rule thing. Um, I really don't know what to sign him if he's going to be our main striker. Like, if he's going to replace Bruni or Lambert, then maybe. But he there needs to be someone else above him who's like a class above coming in as well. He cannot come just as the only striking option. That would be a really disappointing summer. Uh, yeah, just one extra thing on, on clubs that have developed players that didn't work out other places. Um, Pogba and Morata at Juve is unfair. It is not fair that two players that are that good both happened there because they had falling outs at their previous club. <laughs> That's insane. What are they? They spent like 15 million combined on those two players who are now worth, you know, what, like 100 probably? It's it's nuts. It's not fair. Juve have got like a, a, they do it a lot though. They got Kingsley Coman as well, didn't they? He's yeah. really good. Yeah, it's just that sort of thing. Yeah, I guess, I guess I'll talk talk Newcastle's yeah. free transfer dealings. I mean, if you know Newcastle, Mike actually loves the freebie, so we'll be well in. We'll be well into this market. I mean, one of our best signs probably also free in Denver Bar. So I think I think we'll go back in and Jack Colback last summer. I mean, I think he's probably the best free transfer of the summer uh, of the season this season. I think he's been really good. Definitely should be close to the England squad. Even though Newcastle have been so bad, it works against him, I guess. But yeah, I think we've done all right in the free market in the past. I think we've we've gone in for Andre Ayew. I think I mentioned it before. I think we're we're well into that the talks for him. I think we opened talks before bigger clubs could. I think that's one that could happen. I think he'd be really good. I mean, he's done really well for Ghana for a number of years. I mean, he looks good at Marseille. I think he'd come in, do a job on the left. We don't really have a good left winger at the moment, and he'd. I think he'd be a really good signing if we managed to get him. I mean, his wages would be high, but Newcastle don't mind paying big wages, so that wouldn't be a massive problem. I think he, I think he, I'd definitely love to see him. Um, English English players, what English players? Well, Premier League player wise, I think looking through the list earlier, I didn't think there's that many that good players on that list. I mean, I, I can. No, they're just a, you could like round out a side. Like, yeah, they're you not could, stars. But I don't th- there's nobody on that list that you go, oh, bloody, I'd love my club to sign him. It's just, <laughs> but yeah, I think Danny Ings is uh, a player that we've been linked with, but then we've been linked with Charlie Austin recently as well. I think maybe an easy link to make. I, I'd quite like Danny Ings. Danny Ings, I think he's talked about going to a club where he wants first team football. I think he'd get that at Newcastle. I'd even wouldn't mind paying the compensation. I think a team like Newcastle is probably a better move for him right now than a, a Liverpool. So. He's a player I'd quite like, but I think we've got our eyes more on foreign players for, to fill in our striker berth, so it's probably not going to happen. Uh, other players, Milner. I loved him when he was at Newcastle, but I think he's too big for us now. City have killed him anyway. He used to be so good to watch, but now he's so boring. He's, like, he, it's not just listening to him speak. He's just boring to watch on the football pitch. It's just, when he played for Newcastle Villa, he used to be so exciting. He used to take on defenders. He used to be quick. He used to score from range. He used to be a really good player, but now he's just boring. So, yeah. I used to love James Milner, but now he's just boring, yeah. Uh, other, there's quite a few good young players on the free transfer list that I, I, I think have been mm. overlooked. James Wilson still not agreed that deal with yeah. Man United. I mean, he would be a massive signing for any any Premier League club, I think. Even as high as Chelsea and Man City, I think he'd be an incredible signing. Well, specifically for them, because they desperately need homegrown players like, whoa. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's just... If he doesn't sign for Man United, that's, the, that's a massive blow for them. Yeah. I think he probably will, but... And then if I you mean, want a cheaper option in that vein, uh, Wickham, I think, is, is either out or has a clubbed option or something like that, but... I, I think I think he signed a new contract this oh, year, didn't he? Oh, did he? he? Yeah, uh, he, he, he 60, well 60 grand a week. 
I, Ooh, I remember, to play I on the left like, wing as a hold-up striker? Oh, awesome. Yeah, I, I remember thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, oh, classic Sunderland there, but yeah, it's... He would, uh, other players, Luke Garber is on a free from Everton. He looks all right, but... I was just about to say that. He, he's probably... There's probably, you know, the full fullbacks is a position where you could get a lot of similar players from your own youth academy. So, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, he'd be a good signing for most Premier League clubs. Apart from that, there's not that much on that list. There's, I guess... I guess Newcastle could be looking to add a bit of experience to the squad, but I don't know. Can't, off the top of my head, I don't really know who's experience-wise on the list. I thought Mikel Arteta was, but when he wasn't on it when I looked, so that shocked me. I, I wouldn't mind him. Or Kadira. I, I just saw. <laughs> could you just imagine turning up at Newcastle? That would just be <laughs> shocking. But yeah, I think probably Andre Ayew will be our main free target this summer, but I wouldn't be shocked if Danny Ings turned up at Newcastle either. Yeah, I think... One of the names you just mentioned there is probably the standout one for me for the Swans because we need a left back. Is Luke Garbutt under twenty one? Uh, England under uh, England under twenty one. Sorry, um, I don't really understand why I haven't haven't looked to tide him down to be honest because he's always seemed tidy enough and like you say he's homegrown which is handy. So uh, yeah, so I, I I didn't realize he was on a free, so I'm quite up for that. Um, the other one, uh, Yusuf Malumbu. We probably yeah. don't need him now that we've got Jack Cork. But yeah, quit taking all the central midfielders. Well, you did it for like 10 years. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> You're not wrong. You still got most of them. Like you said, they just banned from the club. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, Malumbu, like I say, we probably don't need him now that we got Jack Hawk, but he's on a free, so I'd probably take him. He's not isn't, be isn't Jacob also on a free? Or, yeah, or that... I, think, I, think, I think he is. I think you're right. But I think, I, I've always preferred Malumbu. I think like, Malumbu is very, very good, very good player. And I think he's very underrated and similar to what I was saying about Leon Britton. If you've got him doing a job, I, I genuinely don't think you're going to get many better players doing that. Like His format this season, I think, from some of the stuff Dan said, it, it doesn't sound like his form has been as good this season, perhaps. Um, but yeah, like I'd like to... I think he's a very, very good player. And if, if the wages were right, um, I'd definitely like to see him brought in. Um, the only other area that we're really looking to strengthen, I'd say, uh, is winger and up top. But I, I doubt we're going to get somebody on a free up top because we need a decent striker. Um, and Scott Sinclair's on a free, but I think, yeah, like, I'm not, Ooh, not sure. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, no. I, 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 I don't know. Like, I'm th- we need a goal scoring winger. <laughs> and it kind of fits the bill. Mm. Plus, we do like signing players who've already played for us. Um, that is <laughs> that is a particularly Swansea way of doing things, it seems. Keep going in for the same players, you know. Um, yeah, so like, I wouldn't rule that out by any stretch of the imagination. I'd be surprised if they haven't even explored the option. Um, because nobody nobody's going to... Br- if you're a team like the Swans and Man City come in, nobody's going to begrudge you going. There's no... There's not, there's not going to be any malice. There's no, no... I don't think anybody's annoyed with Sinclair. You know, there's no malcontent from the fans or anything and we made money from it so um yeah so so i'd be really surprised if uh, uh well i'd be surprised if we hadn't even looked at that uh, but like i say, i think luke garber would be the one for me you have to remember that the amiobi brothers are a combination you get on a three so i think that is a, <laughs> that's an option worthy of any club just to get them I both just, on the pitch and the they're combined the zero goals yeah. I, I just oh. want to get sammy amiobi just so like if he plays for the swans it's easier to petition for him to wear sammy obi on the back of his shirt <laughs> 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 you know, 
He isn't the worst player in the world. He do I quite like him. Yeah, I, I quite like him. I quite like him. <laughs> um, for me, I just kind of want to raid Italy. Chiellini's unlikely, but Andrea Ranocchia is one, and Micah Richards would be another that I think could instantaneously step in. Kyle Walker, you know, earlier I was complaining about Shar failing to develop. Kyle Walker is literally the defensive Aaron Lennon, where he knew he was fast and then forgot to ever do anything else. Um, and he's still beneficial to the teams. You've seen Aaron Lennon do very well. By the way, this is how Tottenham fans think. So Aaron Lennon went to Everton, and day one started ahead of Morales, and Tottenham fans still want Morales when Lennon couldn't get into the side. What? How? No, I can't even get into that right now. Um, I think Michael Richards would be a good addition. Clearly, we don't think Yedlin's ready. Um, probably send him out on loan next season, I would imagine. Uh, so yeah, I'd be fine with bringing in Michael Richards. I would love to have Danny Ings, unlike, uh, what Zach was saying for Liverpool. We already know Kane and Ings are friends, and they're constantly tweeting about, whoa, U21s, we're gonna be amazing. And so yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him come back with him. Um, it seems like we're kind of building this young English core, and, and while everybody's kind of freaking out about how terrible we've been, quote-unquote, um, I think what they're failing to mention is we established a, a, an English core... Uh, leading like through the 2008 to 2010 seasons, and then got into Champions League, then added a few key pieces. Not when we did Champions League, but we had Modric, we had already brought in Bale, then we brought in Vondervaart, brought in Scott Parker, and then kind of capitalized on like the blend of like a youth core with like star guys in it. And I don't know why people think that this is all like doom and gloom, because we could just, you know, the trajectory, it's like we're just doing the same thing over again. Um, so anyway, hope, hope that'll eventually be the case, but in order to do that, you need to have a core of players that are already used to working together and stuff, and, you know, how traditionally English would it be if next year we did a 4-4-2 big man, little man with Kane and Ings? I just think that would be really, really fun to watch, and much like the Sherwood era, we'd be fine losing 6-4 every week. That's fine. We just, we just kind of want to see some goals again. We saw them at the beginning of the season, and they dried up, um... But I think that would be fun. So those, those are my three. Uh, probably if I had to order them, uh, though, I'd probably go Renokia to replace Kabul, uh, then Ings, then Micah Richards, even though that's the opposite order of the order that we need them uh, for position. But that's fine. And from there, we're going to move on to match previews, where we're each going to be discussing the matches that are coming up for our clubs this weekend. Uh, Tottenham host Hull, as I mentioned. Um... Interesting to see if we're going to uh, have Friedel play uh, instead of Lloris. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I'm going to kind of try to keep these brief. But, um, yeah, I don't think we're going to get all three points. I think we're going to draw with Hull. Uh, I'll say it's going to be a pretty drab 1-1. All right, Jake, what do you see coming out of your upcoming trip to QPR? I can see a feast of goals and what could be... <laughs> Tune in, guys! Be... What could be the worst game in Premier League history? It could, it could be definitely up there. These two teams are dreadful. But, I mean, I would be a lot less negative about this if last weekend hadn't have happened. I mean, we were quite good against West Brom, who came to New, who came to St. James' Park to get a point. I don't think they really wanted to win. If they could, they probably would have. But, I mean, we played quite well. We looked, a, we looked like we cared, which was quite nice. I mean, after Leicester, that was just abysmal. So, I think last weekend was really good for us. Uh probably instilled a bit of confidence as well, even though we, we, we could have won the game, which it was probably disappointing to lose when you give your best performance in over three months and you still don't win the game. 
it's it's quite disheartening. But keep. I mean, if you could pick a game this weekend, is to, to go away from St James's Park if the atmosphere there is not great. Although it's better last weekend. I mean, you could go away from St James's Park, go to a team that is just, which has probably embarrassed themselves more than you, you this season, which is quite incredible because Newcastle have <laughs> embarrassed themselves quite a lot. And you, a team that is already relegated, and we, and a win secures your Premier League survival because Hull are not going to win two matches. So yeah, it's just, it's probably a dream scenario, but it's but it's what could happen. QPR could just could beat us. <laughs> it, I I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me, but I think we're going to go there. I think we got Daryl Yamat back, so we have got a bit of a settled back four. We've got we got Mike Williamson out of it, which is always a plus. Cause I think he's probably been on the pitch for over two thirds of our goals conceded. And he's probably at fault for at least a third of them. So you got him out of there. You got Yarmouk back. He's been a really good play. You've got a solid two, solid uh, partnership with Colicini and Dummett. And you've got Gutierrez or Anita at left back. I mean, neither of them are perfect, but I mean, it's, it's the defence has been our biggest problem. That's a lot more settled. You've got players going forward like Ayosi Perez, who's been really good. You've got Cabela, who's looking better. I, I think it's just a lot more settled. I think we should go to keep you on win. CM Jeong is injured again, which is just hilarious but <sighs> but I, I think what his problem is he's just he's still recovering and they just don't want to risk him too much which is fair enough i don't want to i don't want i'd rather he came back next season yeah hopefully anyway but, uh, um, and, and just a quick time out for all the Tottenham fans that complain about us not bringing in jay rodriguez before he signed a new contract this is why you don't sign players that are still injured yeah it's it's been quite bad but i, th- I think he could still be a big player for us he's still young he just he, he's I think next season could be his season. But, I mean, we've got Rolando Aarons back this weekend. He might not be well-known to many fans, but anyone who has seen him, I would testify if he, if he has been stays fit next season, because he's had another awful season of injuries. But if he stays fit next season, he will be he will be linked to the Euro uh, 2016 squad for England. That's not even an overstatement. He is such a good player. He destroyed Manchester City at the Etihad when he played there earlier. He destroyed Crystal Palace at St. James's Park. He just He's like... He is like Raheem Sterling. It's a, it's a comparison I don't really want to make because it's an obvious one to make, but he is a really, really top talent and we need to sort his contract out because he is going to go for some mega money one day as long as he sorts his injuries out, which is quite a big problem at the moment. But if he plays this weekend, just watch out for Rolando Aaron. He's a name to watch out for for the future because he is destined for great things if he doesn't get injured too much, which is a big F, but yeah, he is just a really good player. But I think... I think we're going to win. I'm going to tip us to win. I, I think QPR, I can't see them as the team who are going to be, want to give them, give their fans some fight and to sort of like give them something to cling on to and to give them a performance in the last home game. I don't see QPR as that type of team. I think we're going to go there. It's not going to be pretty. I think we're going to win. It's going to be probably 2-1. But yeah, I think we're going to win and we're going to survive in the Premier League, which is a massive... Which shouldn't have happened, but, you know, it's going to happen. So, yeah, I think, I think we're going to win and stay up. All right. And, Zach, what do you make of your upcoming match against Palace? Um, well, it's obviously going to be a very emotional day. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of not rating the um, Saturday kickoff. Like, if, if it was, like, Jared's last game, I don't know, it feels like it should be, like, wrapping Super Sunday up at, like, 4 o'clock, but... Um, yeah, it kicks off at half five on Saturday. Gerard's last game, so it's sure to be exciting. Well, and it, but it also might be very boring if you don't like Gerard because let's let's face it, that's all they're going to talk about. <laughs> the game, and the game probably won't be that good because I expect Palace to come to Anfield and set up sort of like a low block on the edge of their box, 
and we've really, really struggled to um, close, um, to get through those kind of blocks um, this season. I think it's pretty much been the main stumbling block in our season. So I wouldn't expect goals. Well, not, not too many anyway. My prediction for it would probably, probably be 2-1 to Liverpool. Um, some sort of lucky penalty or something like that. I'll probably decide it because um, we're not playing too great at the moment. Um Fun fact for the game, uh, tickets are actually going for over two grand because of Gerard's last appearance. So wow. <laughs> that's just a crazy, crazy figure to pay for a game of football. And they say fans are being priced out. <laughs> We're all crazy. That's why. <laughs> it's yeah, just, um, yeah, yeah. That's always kind of been my counter argument is that people are still going to be willing to pay it. Yeah, no matter what the price, people are going to pay it. Obviously, if it was two grand times 40,000, then you wouldn't get 40,000 in the stadium. But it shows how crazy fans are. Like they will do anything to see some things, absolutely insane. But yeah, that's that's um that's our game. Um, I'd like to see some kids played, but I'm not sure we will do because I think they've got a game. I'm not. I'm, most of them will um are in action. I think um and I think this, we're sort of saving them for preseason. You know, before putting too much limelight on them. Um, I'd like to see. I'd like to see Ibe get his first goal. I think he's due a goal. Like since he came back um, at the start of 2015, I think he's been one of our better players. He's been a real bright spark in what's been a disappointing season, and um, I'd I'd really like to see him get a goal. So I'm going to go Jordan Ibe first goal, um, a Crystal Palace equaliser through punching, and a Gerard winner. <laughs> That's my narrative <laughs> from prediction. 40 yards. Yeah, for, oh well, at least at least 40. <laughs> let's let's not let's not set expectations too low. Like maybe 50. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. All right, and lastly, Scott, we have Swansea versus Manchester City. Um, yeah, Swans, Man City, same thing as I would have been saying. I probably did say before Arsenal. I'm not expecting to win, but we can only hope. And we've done quite well at that this season. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, at this point in the season, mad stats they noticed earlier. We've only we've only won four less games than Manchester United. with two games left to play, hmm. which is just berserk. So, uh, so yeah, I can see us not having as much of the ball as we used to at home. Um, but yeah, never rule out result. Gary Monk's Barmy Army. Uh, there you go. 2-1 Swans, why not? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and with that, we are out of time. So if you'd like to tell people where to reach you or any projects you're working on, now be a good time. Yeah, I've been Zach Forster. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, if you didn't catch it before, my Twitter is at Zach Forster underscore AI. Um, you can find my content on eplindex.com and anfieldindex.com. Once again, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, I write for EPL Index as well as various other sites, including totaldutchfootball.com, which I've been quite active on recently. I've written an article on Hakim Zayic and an article Ooh. on the next four Eredivisie stars to come through, including the next Depay. So if you want to know who that is, check that out. And there's just loads of stuff on Depay on there. Obviously, Man United fans, you want to check that out. So yes, especially with the summer coming up, it's definitely one to keep an eye on because there's a lot of Eredivisie to Premier League transfers. But yeah, apart from that, you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two ends. Yeah, cheers for listening. I'm Scott from the Swansea Way. You can find the website, theswanseawaye.co.uk. There's always new stuff going up on there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the Swansea Way. And we also do a podcast called The Jackast, which is at the Jackast on Twitter or thejackast.com. Yep, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. Uh, I am continuing to do fantasy rankings over on playtaga.com. I have an article coming out over at theeaglespeak.com this weekend addressing my first article of the season where I, I told people statistically how you could guarantee safety 
And that didn't go great. Um, if you want to reach me personally, I'm on Twitter at Kevroth. If you'd like to reach the podcast, as always, you can either tweet us at EPL Roundtable or email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.